Welcome to the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Brady Trantham, your host and your man for all things Oklahoma Sooners. Um, I just I just realized that I repeated myself uh, because I also do Locked On Thunder, and that's what I say for the Thunder Podcast but I obviously replace Oklahoma Sooners with Oklahoma City Thunder. So if you are a Thunder fan and, and a Sooner fan, I'm sorry that it all sounds alike, but I do four of these things. I do four podcasts, and um, I've got to make it as easy on me as possible. Otherwise, I will go insane, which means less podcasts for you. So just weigh your pros and cons on that one. But uh, today's going to be a special episode, uh, not just for you, the listener, but for me as well, because I have followed Blinken Riley for... I don't know, about two years or so. Uh, we followed each other on Twitter. I don't know why he decided to follow me, um, but I uh, was honored nonetheless to be followed by Mr. Blinken Riley. You're all very well aware of him on Twitter, and if you're a loyal listener to Locked On Sooners, uh, uh, Blinken was a very integral part to John Hoover's rendition of the Locked On Sooners podcast, and I w- was fortunate enough to confirm that he would like to still be a part of it at least for now, this could very much well change, uh, Stephen. After we do this podcast, you might just think, um, I, "I don't know about this Brady cat." <laughs> no, I, I never get, I pass up a chance to uh, talk a little Oklahoma, especially Oklahoma football. Yeah, especially in January when there's literally nothing to talk about, unless you're that deep into recruiting. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. So <laughs> <laughs> my 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 stock and trade is. Uh, is things that have already happened, not speculating on what may happen. So you know, which, which is why I really gravitated to your uh, Twitter account in the beginning. And I'm not going to try and sit here and claim that I'm a Blinken Riley hipster by any means, but I did follow you in the in your Twitter infancy, if I can remember correctly. And the reason is, like, you're obviously much better at this than I am. But I remember as a teenager how I would pass the time if I was either in school or if I was at home. This is. This is the first sign, I guess, that I probably wasn't very popular in high school because I would literally just get on Wikipedia and go through old seasons of o- Oklahoma football just to get an idea of like, okay, what schools were they playing? What records did those opponents have? How tough was it? You know, all these little intricate things that you forget when you just see a blanket statement of, oh, in 1969, they won the Orange Bowl. Well, how did they get to the Orange Bowl? So it, deep dive into numbers has always interested me. I cover the Thunder and the NBA for a living, so obviously I have to have a familiarity with deep diving into analytics and numbers. And you're just yours is more than just informative. It you've made it you've made it entertaining. And to be able to do that, bravo, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you. I uh I do try to be a little entertain entertaining uh it's I like taking a look at things, you know, not just with their face value. Yeah. I like putting it in different context to kind of highlight the craziness of certain things, right? Like you can hear the bedlam record, you know, a million times, right? Yeah. But it kind of gets old. It almost loses meaning. And so to kind of take it apart and slice it up into, you know, different ways of looking at it kind of gives it that, oh my gosh, that's crazy, right? Yeah. The, like Bedlam is the most hilarious and fascinating <laughs> thing in, in maybe in sports. Oh, no it's question. just, 
it's it's absolutely i love it it's it's a uh you know and i get a lot of grief sometimes from sooner fans saying why he spend so much time talking about little brother oklahoma state blah 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 i it's because it it's I'm so just unique enthralled yeah and if you have any interest in numbers and history in sports history and you gloss over OSU just the OU OSU game just because of its lopsided nature then you're doing yourself a disservice because you've done a very good job of educating the masses at least on Twitter that I mean yes it's not very entertaining if you're an OSU fan from that perspective but it's still you've got to respect some of the 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 deep diveness of what you've been able to accomplish with this rivalry yeah it's incredible I mean things like this lopsided shouldn't happen in sports especially not between you know, rivals. I mean, I mean, this is like Harlem Globetrotters, Washington Generals type stuff. Yeah. Now, you almost think it's fake. I think I said it on the Monday or the Tuesday. Po- I mean, they all blend together. Uh, but I think I may have put it out probably on the Monday show because it was before the OU Kansas basketball game. And I just simply looked up the series record between OU and Kansas in basketball. And I knew Kansas has dominated OU. And I, I knew it was going to be a significant margin I didn't know it was going to be this bad. Um, like Kansas has played since 1950. I guess you'll appreciate this. Since 1950, they've played 237 programs in basketball. And their record against OU in terms of win-loss margin is only um, eclipsed by five other schools. Kansas' records against Kansas State, which is their, their best record, Iowa State, Colorado, and Nebraska. Kansas straight dominates Oklahoma, and that was a tough pill to swallow. But like lopsided lopsidedness does exist outside of Bedlam, but still Bedlam is like its own animal. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty rough. I uh, it was hard, trust me. And then OU, I didn't know it was that bad. I mean, I know, <laughs> I know. Well, I know historically, you know, Kansas has always kind of had Oklahoma's number, even when Oklahoma had good teams. You know, yeah. Um, but God, that's that's pretty rough. Yeah, and I even tried to look up, well, has it been better since the 80s? And it kind of has, but, I mean, everybody knows the record OU right. and Lawrence on the road. And, I mean, even after that triple overtime game with Buddy Hill a few years ago, like, even though that was fun to watch, it was still demoralizing as an OU fan. And just the understanding of after that game of, like, am I ever going to see OU win a game on the road in Lawrence? Is it ever going to happen? If it didn't happen tonight, then my God. Yeah. No, it's hard. Yeah, that's that's rough. But let us stick with Bedlam because I actually, um, in full transparency to all the listeners, this is the first time that Stephen Smith and I have actually talked, um, not technically in person, we're on the Skype machine, but this is the first time that we've actually ever interacted with our own voices. So uh, it's an extra cherry on top to the honor of having him on the podcast. But, you know, I, I haven't really even met you, Stephen, and I put you to work tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you a little homework topic. Um uh, John and I, I, I don't know if it was on yesterday's Locked On Sooners. Um, of course, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so it's technically we recorded it today. It came out today. Um, but when you're listening to this, this will be Thursday. I don't know if it was on yesterday's Locked On Sooners or on the Inside OU podcast that we did for the Franchise Podcast Network. But we talked about in length the uh, return of Chuba Hubbard and, of course, the return of Tylen Wallace and Spencer, Ra- um, not Spencer Rattler, Spencer Sanders. I feel like that's going to happen to a lot of people in this market over this offseason. Uh, confusing the two quarterback names, but the big yes. three, the big three in Stillwater to go along with four returning stars on the offensive line and a lot of returning starters on the defense. I mean, 
it's it's not it should surprise nobody. A lot of people are going to pick OSU to be OU's opponent more than likely in the Big Twelve Championship. But this isn't the first time that OSU has returned multiple skill position p- players of all conference or even all American level talent. And basically, I'll just give you the floor at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is uh, Oklahoma State has had some some all time great players. Uh, you know, in the in the eighties, so nineteen eighty six. Um, Mike Gundy took over as quarterback. Um, Thurman Thomas, you may have heard of him. Oh yeah, uh, just came off of a uh, uh, sixteen hundred yard season. Um, that team was all right, but you know we all know what happened in nineteen eighty six. Um, Oklahoma won that game nineteen to zero. Um, <laughs> yeah, return. Have one of your 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 greatest quarterback maybe well until recently I guess greatest quarterback in history in Thurman Thomas and you can't manage to score a point in Bedlam which just seems to be you know just how Bedlam goes um, the next year 1987 they return Mike Gundy and Thurman Thomas Thurman Thomas runs for 1600 yards again that season um, and there's also a cat on the bench. It goes by Barry Sanders. Oh, yeah. Um, 1987, 29-10. Um, Poor Barry. Oklahoma wins that one. Yeah. Uh, It just wasn't in the cards. Uh, Next year, uh, Mike Gundy returns. And Barry Sanders has the greatest year in the history of college football. Bedlam, 31-28. At least it was close that year. Yes. That was a, cra- that was a crazy game. Uh, Is that with that Brent Parker drop touchdown at the end of the game for OSU? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, drop touchdown. I think the possession before that, there was a questionable unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that took <laughs> that took Oklahoma State from a 4th and 1 to a 4th and 16. Um, there, was, there was a lot of weird as Sooner fans would refer to it as Sooner magic. Um, I'm sure Oklahoma state fans have some other words for it, but um, they can listen to uh, locked but, on posts <laughs> with um, Kobe Powell. If they want to, if they want that opinion. <laughs> yeah. If they want to vent about that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, greatest, greatest season in the history of college football. And you know, Oklahoma still comes out with a victory. Um, you know, we can fast forward to kind of another great era of Oklahoma State uh, football. Uh, 2008, um, Zach Robinson throws for 3,000 yards. They have Kendall Hunter, Hunter who rushes for 1,500. Des Bryant catches f- almost 1,500. Um, and Oklahoma wins that game 61-41. Yep. At least they scored some points in that one. Yeah, that's the game Chris Brown ran and got the cherry on top touch, uh, cherry on top touchdown that um, became kind of a Oklahoma staple in Bedlam. I mean, Trey Sermon with his uh, in 2017, uh, Samaj P. Ryan could have had one, but he took a knee at the goal line. It, just, it became a Bedlam tradition after Chris Brown scored their 61st point. <laughs> um. Next season, return Zach Robinson, return Des Bryant, have a kid named Justin Blackman on the team. Uh, 2009, 27-0. Blanked again. Uh, yeah. Next year, next yeah. year, Brandon Wheaton, Brandon Wheaton takes over, uh, throws for over 4,000 yards. That team went 11-2. and two. 
they've got Kennel Hunter rushed for 1,500 yards. Justin Blackman caught almost 1,800 yards receiving. And Oklahoma wins that game 47-41. Finally, in 2011, it all came together. And the Oklahoma State Cowboys beat Oklahoma 44-10 in Stillwater. And finally, finally things worked out for the old pokes. But it's one of those things where you just don't, there's so it's like the universe works against Oklahoma state. So in nine, in nine years of the nine years that Oklahoma state has started the season ranked in the AP top 25. Yeah. They, they won one of those games, one of those bedlam games. Oh, bless their hearts. (laughs) They've played Oklahoma when both teams were ranked in bedlam. They've played 16 times when that's the case. They've won one of those games. They are one in 15 when both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are ranked. I mean, depending on where your loyalties lie, that is just something that you truly hate to see. But uh, <laughs> uh, really quick, Stephen, before we get any further, uh, we do need to take a break. I, you need to take a break because you just dropped a lot of history knowledge bombs on us. So you need to catch your breath. I need to catch my breath. So when we get back, we're going to deep dive some more into some bedlam stuff. We're going to talk more modern day stuff as well with Chuba, Tylen Wall, Spencer Sanders, how that affects OU and all that fun stuff, but more after the break. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome back to the Locked On Sooners Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brady Trantham here, joined by Stephen Smith, Mr. Blinken Riley himself. Now, Stephen... All that's all well and good, but I would I would probably say that an, a diehard OSU fan would hear all that and say, who cares, you silly Sooner fans, all you do is talk about history and stuff that doesn't matter anymore. Well, even though history does matter to some extent, like let's give them the benefit of the, of the doubt. Now, it's, it's January. It's far too early for any silly preseason top 25, top 10 lists, but people still do them, Brett McMurphy. Um, and they're, and they're found very foolish at the same time, but I mean, it, it's no question the clear cut favorites in the big 12 for this season on paper, you're going to put OU there because they're, the, they're the defending champs. Um, they are breaking in a new quarterback. They're losing some talent on the, on defense, but you've got to have faith that Alex Grinch can at least keep the ball rolling in terms of conference defensive dominance that he had in year one with the Oklahoma Sooners. And then you've got OSU, who's returning all this talent that we talked about already. Um, it, it's hard not to get excited, and I guess if you're an OU fan, it's hard not to get worried about Bedlam this year, even though it's in Norman, just from a talent standpoint that OSU's bringing back. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, they've got a, a ton of guys coming back. I mean, Chuba Hubbard is – you know, we mentioned, um, you know, some guys like Kennel Hunter and Thurman Thomas and, you know, Barry Sand- – or, yeah, Barry Sanders, but – Chuba Hubbard's up there right with him. I mean, um, he is 
he is special. And, you know, if he can stay healthy along with Tylen Wallace, um, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. A uh, little known fact, actually, Oklahoma State has a better record, uh, slightly better winning percentage in Norman than they do in Stillwater. Yeah, I've always found that even more interesting. Just, man, like, how how is that a thing? Is it because of the nine? <laughs> is it because of the nineties? Did they gobble up a win or two in the ninety? I don't even. I don't even think so. I think. I think what it was, um, what it is, is they have so few wins that you know one win in either direction kind of tips it right. So you know, it's not like they're winning half their games in Stillwater and winning half the games in Norman. You know they're they're losing nine out of ten, so you know I I I don't know. I mean they they caught a couple in the early two thousands um, with less miles, um, and then a couple in the late nineties. But it's 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 funny how they they literally like poor poor Oklahoma State fans. They can't even go watch a game. In their home stadium and expect a bedlam win. Oh, like, the, they, they've got to they've got to travel to to Norman. The probability tweets that you'll point that you'll tweet out, they always they always get me. Like I think it's something similar to what you just said. Like OSU fans have a higher probability of going to Stillwater or going to do X than going to Boom Picking Stadium and watching OSU beat OU. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, there's I, a there's a lot of that. <laughs> I feel so bad. Like, look, um, I'm so used to doing podcasts from an unbiased perspective, and it's kind of fun to do an OU podcast because it allows me to kind of you know pull pull my hair back and relax a little bit and be a fan. But even still, I'm just like, God, we are just so we're just cocky sobs right now with this bedlam talk. But yes, I mean, in January, and a lot still has to happen. We're 200 and some odd days from kickoff. I mean, what's your what's your concern level? A for OSU as you know as an OU fan and then B do you just go ahead and slide OSU into the number two spot in the big in the conference or are you still of the belief that oh maybe Texas will kind of figure it out to some extent or is there some other uh, program that you're uh, keeping your eye on in terms of uh, competing for OU for the Big 12 championship next season no I think I think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State especially Oklahoma State now um, are kind of the two teams to watch I think Texas if Texas didn't figure it out this year, I don't I don't know what I don't know that they're going to figure it out figure it out next year. Well, remember Sam Ellinger is back. He's back now. He made the decision to return. I don't know if you were made aware of that. Well, yeah. It was yeah, a but, groundbreaking uh, decision. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah, uh, you know, I can't, I decided to not jo- uh, enter the NFL draft too. So um, <laughs> it's funny. Sam Ellinger is back and top dog is back well before Texas is ever back. So uh, take that. <laughs> but if, if, uh, if rule was still at Baylor, I would have put them up there. Um, I think they're going to take a loss. I think they're going to miss him a lot. They're missing. Um, so they're, they're losing so much experience and talent on that. team. Yeah. The senior. Yeah. Aiden. Yeah, so I, I think I think the kind of the clear number one and two are Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I, I I would agree with that. And it kind of it makes it makes it that much more I think better that Bedlam is actually in the middle of the year. Like, look, I'm a 
I guess you can consider me a cocky OU fan. And if for whatever reason you're an OSU fan listening to this podcast, first of all, thank you for A, listening and B, listening this far into this particular episode. Um, <laughs> but I'll apologize for my cockiness. I know a lot of fans get upset that Bedlam isn't played at the end of the year this season. I'm always like, I don't care when they play it. It's it's really, it's a rivalry game, yes, but as you've pointed out with the lopsidedness, historically speaking, and even modern history speaking, it's a lopsided series, and OU should win it, so I don't really care when they play it. But in a season where OSU could potentially be that, that opponent for OU in the Big 12 Championship, if OU is fortunate enough to make it, I'm glad that it's happening in the middle of the year so we don't have a, a silly back-to-back. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, I feel like that's a – if it was any other team um, playing their rival in the middle of the season, that might be weird. But Oklahoma's chief rival, they play, you know, in early October every year. So it's not like this is some travesty, you know. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have, you know, those uh, a rivalry game late in the season. But honestly, like – if those are the two teams that are going to be there, I'd almost want there to be an early matchup and then kind of see how things play out and let the stories develop and let the stats develop and, you know, then come back at the very end to play. You know, I, I think that would be, um, I think that would be really entertaining, you know, just as a, you know, almost like, you know, that team is going to be there in the end and you're just kind of like eyeing each other from across the room yeah. as you're taking care of business the rest of the season. I, I think that's fun. Whew. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's going to be fun. Um, it's hard to remember that college football is fun, especially after it in, after it just ends and especially the way that it ended for Oklahoma and the peach bowl. But um, I mean, I guess I'll get your thoughts real quick before I get you out of here, Stephen. Uh, any thoughts on basically did the LSU dominant win in the national championship? Did that make you feel better about the Peach Bowl, or are you like me and just it, it doesn't matter? Oh, you could have lost the Peach Bowl by one point, and I'd still be disappointed. No, that that no, that didn't make me feel any better. Yeah. I don't, I'm not. I don't. I don't subscribe to the Moral like victory. Oh well, you know we might as well be second place because. Nobody else beat us. Yeah, people you saying know, like we lost with, to the champion. That that doesn't make any sense. People with the take that OU scored more points than Clemson in the playoff game, other uh, as opposed to the national championship game. I'm sorry, but lose me with that argument. That's yeah, that's dumb. Uh, you could tell watching the game, sitting and watching. You know, they were we were scoring points, but LSU was, I mean, essentially letting us just bleed out. I mean, they they didn't they weren't interested in stopping us anymore. I mean, if we waste time with the ball at that point, it's not any different than them wasting time with the ball. And so, you know, that was a that was a thing. LSU could have beaten Oklahoma by a hundred to nothing in that game if they wanted to. Yeah. And so I, I yeah I don't I'm not gonna put in the Oklahoma scored more points or whatever. I I think that's that's uh. A misguided argument if you're making that one well steven this was a wonderful first time talking to you i really appreciate it and i'm looking forward to uh, more thursday pods with you now um i'm still trying to hammer out like how the schedule will go because at some point it's just going to be so barren in the off season that to do a podcast literally every day on a college football team is just a little silly 
Um, so soon, uh, for the time being, let's just plan on doing some Thursday pods for the next few weeks. But at some point, I'll probably have to rehash the schedule. And at that point, you'll, of course, know. But other than that, thank you for jumping on and continuing to jump on with us at Locked On Sooners. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm here whenever. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate it. And thank you once again to Mr. Blinken Riley for jumping on the Locked On Sooners podcast. Really appreciate him and all the work that he does on Twitter. All the wonderful work that he does as well. I also want to give a special little shout out to at Andy C. Wright on Twitter. You actually answered some of my Twitter questions. I wasn't able to get to them on Wednesday with the pod with John Hoover because I had to do that podcast. I had to do Inside OU and then I had to do Locked On Thunder and then I had to run to the arena for the Thunder Raptors game to go ask Billy Donovan some questions about a story I'm writing then go eat my free dinner because anytime I can get a free dinner and save a little food in my fridge, it's better for me <laughs> economically. And um, and then I had to come back and record this podcast on Wednesday night for Thursday so I didn't have to rush it all on Thursday like I did Wednesday. Um, so Andy C. Wright, I just want to give you a special shout out. Um, you answered my receiver question, best receiver in school history, so I'll go ahead and read your reply. Uh, hands down, I'm taking C.D. Lamb over any OU receivers in my lifetime. He was Bo Jackson Tech Mobile untackleable in the open field, applied some of the most vicious blocks I've seen by a receiver, and the catch radius of a dump truck. Gonna miss that goat. Hey, I, I can't disagree with you. I mean, that I kind of highlighted all those, those things as well when I gave my case for C.D. Lamb as the uh, best receiver in school history. And, you know, it's a, it's a factor of a lot of things. Sometimes I don't care about a player or a team's NFL prospects or amount of NFL prospects. I, I think it's a little silly to compare those because rosters and schedules are all so unequal. And all that really matters at the end of the day is the end result. And the 2000 OU team didn't have a lot of NFL talent, but ask Florida State how how good of a team they were, you know? So um, I don't like saying NFL stuff all the time, but when it's so glaring with CD lamb, it's hard to ignore. And that certainly plays into it. But CD lamb is my best receiver in, in OU football history. But again, if you disagree, please let me know on Twitter at Brady does sports. And then Andy, you also answered my first question of the week, which was basically what would you rather have go to a playoff game and lose by 20 points or go to a uh, New Year's Six Bowl against not Alabama or not Ohio State or not Clemson and win by 20. And you replied, I completely get how it's best to lose a semifinal game instead of going to a meaningless bowl game. However, how many fans are enjoying enjoying spending money on tickets and travel expenses to watch your team get boat raced on the national stage two years in a row? Yes. Yes, there is that factor, of course. Um, the way I was kind of looking at it was just mainly... What, what is it like in a vacuum? What is it like in an individual standpoint? But if you rack up a bunch of these losses, like you mentioned, Andy, I mean, of course, it's going to affect the fan base in some way. And I think you've even, even seen that with just the playoff attendance up for, of OU fans to these games. It always seems like you always hear, at least on a more individual level, on a micro level, at least around me, a lot of my friends and family, yeah, I'll buy the national championship ticket. I don't want to waste money on a playoff game. I, I need to see them do it first. And there's a lot of like wait and see with this fan base. But hopefully with the recruiting going in the right direction seem, seemingly on both, both sides of the football with this staff, hopefully OU can improve, get to the place where they need to be so that there isn't that much of a wait and see. There's just nothing but excitement for the season. And then if they're fortunate enough to make the playoff, there's excitement in the postseason. But... That's for another topic for another day. 
Um, this podcast has probably gone on a little bit longer than you guys want. So apologies for that. But uh, thank you, Andy, for your replies. I really appreciate those so much. Uh, thank you once again to Blink and Riley. Looking forward to more conversations with him and John Hoover over the next few weeks and beyond. But everybody, thank you for listening Locked On Sooners. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you later.